And now it is my pleasure and honor to introduce our guest speaker for today. Most people love a good fairy tale. Everyone does. What if that happy ending could be yours? Elizabeth Manuel is the creator of the Outrageously Happily Married and Tapping into Happiness programs. Elizabeth works with people who are running on autopilot and robotically going through life. I think I know a few of those people. I was once one of them. Experience the miracle of transformation, enjoy the life and love they have always dreamed about. As seen on CTV, Dinner TV, and Ched, Elizabeth shares surprising yet scientifically proven principles which positively impact physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Uh, Elizabeth is a licensed prayer practitioner with a background in education and grief therapy, along with 15 years experience as a happiness expert. Elizabeth teaches her clients how to grow a happier brain, become more psychologically healthy, and boost their resilience. And now, speaking on presence, awareness, and intention, what's lurking beneath the threshold of consciousness, please give a very warm welcome to our very own CSL practitioner, the lovely, talented, and distinguished Elizabeth Manuel. Thank you, Les. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to a warm Sunday because it's warm here in our hearts. Let's pause for a moment of prayer as we breathe in God, remembering that God is all there is. God is living, experiencing life in, through, and as me. I'm joyous on this day that I get to live in love, be here, in this Center for Spiritual Living, awakening my heart, my mind, my soul to the presence of God, knowing that the more I awaken, the more good I do in the world, the more I live from love, in love, as love, the more love exponentially expands and multiplies and grows I'm so grateful that I can be a difference in this world. I deliberately choose to utilize this power of God, knowing that God is source, substance, and supply. I'm grateful for these opportunities that I'm given to share love, to be the light that we all prefer in this world. And together we say, and so it is. So what's lurking beneath the threshold of your consciousness? Anyone taken a look there recently? It has, throughout my research in the past decade, what I understand about how our brain operates is that 96% of our lives are really driven by the unconscious, by the subconscious or the subjective mind. What's lurking beneath there? We believe that we make conscious choices and decisions, and it's really about 4% of our brain that is making those conscious decisions. Three things have happened to me recently that increased my attention my awareness on the power of presence or being conscious in this moment. And 
I believe that for many of us, we've literally checked out. Would you agree? Have you seen a lot of people that have checked out? We're not here. Life is happening in front of us, it's happening around us, and we are oblivious. It's almost like we have little blinders on as well. Right now, someone here is probably checked out, thinking about what's gonna happen this afternoon, what's, what am I gonna make for supper, when is the weather gonna warm up? And I know that because I've also been that person. My body's here, but I've checked out. My mind has gone somewhere else. But let's get back to those things that happened to me recently. The first thing that happened, I just finished my weekly swim at Peter Hemingway Pool. Anybody familiar with Peter Hemingway? Used to be Coronation. So I'm over there, and I'm in the change room, and over the next six minutes, two men come into the change room. Of course, you're standing there wrapped up in your towel, and you're like, not really what I want. These change rooms were clearly marked. There are posters and signs everywhere. The difference on this day, the change rooms were switched. Once a month, apparently, they switch the change rooms to do work, I guess. They have male workers in the female change room, so they switch them around. So how often do you think those guys who came into the change room had done that very thing? But today, or on that day, it was the wrong change room. Do you think they were present? Because there were signs. They plaster the place. Change rooms today are different. They've got big stand-up signs. They've got wall signs. There are signs everywhere. And yet at least two people, and that was only in my six minutes, came in to the woman's change room that day. So both men unconsciously walked into what would ordinarily be the men's change room. So again, that word unconscious. They were just rout following what they would normally do without being aware of anything that was in their environment. If we're not aware of what's in our environment, do you think God can get messages through to us? Because sometimes messages are coming through signs that are here in front of us or people or places or things. Would you agree? Okay, so there was at least some signs up. And I believe this poses a huge problem because most of us are running on automatic or autopilot. We're not really driving our own car. We're not, we have a chauffeur that has taken over and basically takes us where it wants to go. What are we missing by not being present? What are we missing? Second thing happened to me recently. I'm out walking my dog, and it is a frosty winter day. I'm on a bridge uh, on Stony Plain Road over Groat Road, so we're on the pedestrian, me and my dog, and about 10, 15 feet ahead of us is the city of Edmonton worker, and he's clearing the sidewalk. So it's like the red carpet is being thrown out before me because we're behind him, and he's clearing it for us, and we're almost to the end of the bridge. And he turns around. He does not look up. He does not notice that he has now started to spray my dog and myself with snow with his machine. And we had no word. I mean, I guess we could have kept backing up along the bridge. But it took, I would say, 
it felt like 30, 40 seconds, like we were covered. We looked like the little snow people. And then all of a sudden he looks up and we're like, <laughs> standing right there. So it was really great until he looked up and then it was like, okay, so now he's back. Now, where do you think he was? I don't know, maybe he was in Hawaii in his mind. Maybe he was out shopping, I don't know, but he wasn't on that bridge for those few seconds or he would have seen that there was people there being covered in snow that he was blowing onto us, or people, me and my dog. So as we were caught in this avalanche of snow, it again made me aware of the power of presence. Third thing, now I'm in a hurry. Anyone here ever been in a hurry? How do things go when we're in a hurry? We're renovating our house. I'm at the tile store, and I needed to get a bigger piece of tile. The one that they had was about this big, and it was attached to a bigger board with a whole bunch of different stuff. So the girl says, well, I don't have a bigger piece, but I can call over to the distributor, and you can go over there and pick one up. The caveat was that they were going to be closing in about 15 minutes. So I had 15 minutes to get to the tile store. I hear her on the phone, I'm standing right there, as she gives them the color and name of the tile that I'm coming to pick up. I'm a little bit irritated already because now I have to make another drive to another store and I'm kind of done with that. Anyone ever been done with errands? So I'm driving there, I'm feeling pressed for time because I'm in a hurry. I run in, I grab the tile, and I drive home. It's Friday afternoon, it's about five o'clock. I didn't look at the tile because I was in too much of a hurry. Guess what happened? Wrong tile. So the person who got the tile out wasn't paying attention, wasn't being present. He got me the right kind of tile, but the wrong color of tile. I wasn't present or paying attention, or I would have noticed that the tile that I picked up was completely not in the colors that we were looking for to match our new countertops. So I lost not only time, but energy, because now it's Friday afternoon, and I have to go back to that store on Monday to pick up yet another sample. Did I save time? Not at all. Being present is invaluable. I wasn't present. Sometimes when I'm at Safeway, my body is at home making supper already. Anybody else tried to do that? Or I might be out shopping and my body is at home or my mind is at home thinking, oh, being at home in my tub would be so great right now. Anybody with me? Wherever we are, sometimes we're somewhere else. Sometimes when I'm out shoveling my sidewalks, my mind and body are in Hawaii. Good place to be. What happens when we check out and go unconscious? Today's talk is perfect for you if you have ever experienced checking out or going unconscious, or generally not been present for your life. What happens when we check out, and why is this so important? 
Where the heck are we all going? Any ideas? Well, we're going to two places. We're either going to the past or we're going to the future. Would you agree? We're going to the past or the future. Now, if we're going to the past, we're most likely dwelling on negative events that have happened. If we're going to the future, we're worrying about it. So two choices. We're either going to the past, where we're dwelling on something negative that's happened, it's over, but we're still present with it. Or we're going to the future where we're worrying over it. What's lurking beneath the threshold of consciousness is mostly repetitive garbage. What's lurking beneath the threshold of consciousness is mostly repetitive. And our lives become the sum total of all of those thoughts. Yikes. For me, this was a huge problem. Without my personal presence and awareness in my life, life happens to us as fear, doubt, and anxiety kidnap us. They take away our freedoms and choices. It's somewhat like being on a raft in the middle of the ocean and you're just being bounced along by the waves, going wherever the waves choose to take you, directionless, rudderless. Our everyday actions, worries, thoughts do not command an exciting future. What we have done is create what's called a predictable reality with no surprises. I know this to be true from my own life. Most of us and most of my clients have very general ideas about what we'd like to experience in the future. When we're younger, most people would say, I want to grow up and get married. I want to have children, maybe a vague, I want to travel. So we have some very general ideas of what we want to experience in our life, but not very much specific intention. Would you agree? We generally go through life day to day to day, and those days look very much like yesterday did. I remember in a number of years as I was a single parent, it's the same day. You get up, you make the breakfasts, the lunch, you take your kids to school, you go to work, you come back, you make supper, you do what you're going to do that night, and you just keep repeating the day. And on the weekend, you get to add in house cleaning and shopping. <laughs> Who's having an exciting life now? Now, on top of my predictable reality and my predictable future, I'm also worrying about something that might happen in the future. Maybe I'll not have enough money, maybe I'll worry about my health, and I'm stuck in the past over some things that have happened before that I didn't like. So my present, very minimal experience. This really is a huge problem. We spend so much time ruminating over the past that it literally sucks our energy, and we don't have enough energy, momentum, to take us into an exciting future. Now, what happened to me? Well, this is a very 
It's no wonder what was lurking in my subconscious mind. The belief that I was not smart, I was never going to be smart, and I wasn't good enough, and it was powerfully clear to me that whatever it was, I didn't have it. Why is that? These are all, not all, but a few of the report cards I received as a child. My mom kept all of my report cards. And it, as looking at these as an adult, it became clear to me why I'd never believed in myself, why I did not think I was smart enough to accomplish anything. Here's an example. Let me think. I think this was around age 10. Let me just double check this one. Yeah, right around age 10. My performance as an individual growing up in a democratic society. This pupil is learning to show self-confidence, assume responsibility, show a questioning mind, and think for himself while respecting opinions of others. Not satisfactory. Whew. Not very good. That's just one example. Elizabeth continually bothers those around her. If she would listen to directions, this would not be necessary. Elizabeth has yet to hand in a health report. It was due the middle of October, and this was in March or something. <laughs> That's just one. Okay, here's another one. Oh, this is so great. And this happened, there's three of these. Elizabeth needs to grow up. I'm a child. I'm going to grow up. But right then, I was not allowed to be a child. I need to grow up. If she would just think for herself before asking unnecessary questions, she could be a good student. Excellent, hey? Really good. Here's another one. Now, this was heading into grade eight or nine. No, this was my grade eight report card. So here's my belief in how intelligent I am. Most of us place a lot of emphasis on grades in school. Would you agree? Language arts, 58. Social studies, 53. Math, 59. I'm really surprised about that one. That seems really good to me. Science, 53. Phys Ed, 50. Health and Guidance, 42. Home Ec, 44. Bad, hey? Doesn't bode well to be a future mother. French, 36. Woo! Smart girl here, heading into grade 9. Moving up the ladder. I'm in grade 12 finishing something that I hate, school. Why would I like school when I'm not good at it? And you know you can't go to university if you don't do good where? Grade 12. So my marks in grade 12 were 50% in French, did pretty good here, 70 in social, 60 in geography, 60 in biology, 60 in English, 61 in French, oh, nine in typing 30. 
Nine, not a very good typer. These are consistent. I have another dozen, well, more at home of all my report cards filled with all the things that I'm not good at, will never be good at, and likely, why bother? Do you think I thought I was smart enough to go to university? Absolutely not. I had no intentions of going to university because I didn't think I could do it. The programming in my brain was etched deeply. The operating system of everyone's brain is based on every single experience that you have ever had. Whether we label it good or bad, positive or negative. I knew that I would never be anything other than mediocre based on the comments and the grades and what happened. Uh, there was another comment in here, I didn't read aloud, but it said that I was lazy. Okay, if that's what you think, that's what I'm going to be. It said I didn't try and I didn't make any effort. And I'm thinking, well, why would I even bother? It's no wonder that I turned to alcohol and drugs by about grade eight. I was looking for something to alleviate the pain that was living inside of me. And the belief systems and all of the non-stop beating up that I would be giving myself because we probably should on ourselves a lot. Well, I should be smarter, I should be better, I should be something. I should also grow up, I should be a better listener. All of those things, that was the story of my life, and we all have a story, and it was wrapped in mental bubble wrap. How did I get out of that? Well, I had to lift myself up and create a life I love, and this I did by putting specific systems in place, by learning and retraining my brain. I took those painful, unresolved issues, I resolved them, and I began to create a life that I love. I love to guide people through their paradigms, through their stories, to break through and finally be free. One of my clients was spending so much time thinking about, talking about, and freely sharing an incident that had happened to her six years ago. Anyone know anyone who freely shares stories of things that have happened in the past? Okay, so she was sharing this event quite generously. Over 72 months, she probably rehashed, shared this experience on an average. I'm going to go with a moderate estimate of two times a week. So that's eight times a month. That's about 575 times for one incident. Because she wasn't willing to let it go, she was dragging that past incident into her present and into her future. Was it serving her? Not at all. Her brain literally experienced that event over 500 times because our brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. So the more we rehash over those events of the past that we don't care for without taking the charge out of them, our brain literally is experiencing that over and over and over, and we wonder why the future doesn't get better. We're so stuck in the past that we have no energy to create. 
An incident from the past, that's only one. But again, remember your mental bubble wrap is everything that's ever happened to you. It's critically important to heal and reveal what's lurking beneath the threshold of your consciousness. What's there that needs to be first seen, looked at, and then healed, cleared away, so you can actually focus on setting a powerful intention to create a future and a life that you love. During our time together, Janet, who had that one incident, learned how to be present, how to become aware of the automatic thinking that was not serving her, that was not creating a compelling future. She has so much more energy now that she even told me her friends and her family are remarking on her change, a remarkable change by healing something from the past. When we are constantly checked out of the present, we lose our capacity to design that life we love. Awareness is the first step to your transformation. It includes becoming aware of those limiting beliefs or those stories that you tell yourself. My story, not smart enough, not good enough, I will never amount to anything. One of my clients was working as a legal assistant. She was in her 30s. The story she told herself was that she was not smart enough to become an actual lawyer. She layered that story with all of the reasonable obstacles. It will be too hard. How will I manage with my kids? What will my husband think if I want to go back to school and be a lawyer? And how will we manage financially? After becoming consciously aware of all of these limiting beliefs, we worked to release them, free herself of the shackles, and she is now a thriving lawyer, earning more than she ever thought was possible and living a life that she thought was impossible. When I work with my clients, they transform because we get to the root of those problems and we look at what's lurking beneath that threshold of consciousness. Worrying about the future, extremely popular idea. You guys probably don't do that. Okay, let's just see if you have any of the same thoughts and fears that I have. What if I get kidnapped by the mafia? What if my child fails kindergarten and never leaves home? What if London Bridge really does fall down? Janet Jackson is responsible for this fear. Now I have to worry about getting pregnant at 50. I thought maybe I wouldn't, but no. What if the sky really is falling? The future is unwritten. Our best plan in the present is to continuously create a powerful vision for our lives and take intentional actions that will help us navigate the conditions and the circumstances of our lives. Fighting against what is will never get us what we want. Fighting against what is will never get us what we want. We must accept where we are. And then we become clear about what we prefer, and that helps the universe deliver it to us. 
If we let constant fear, worry, and doubt consume us, our future will be continuously filled with fear, doubt, and worry. We will never experience peace of mind, joy, and happiness, that which we all truly deserve. That's why prayer and meditation are so helpful. That's why being here at the center is so helpful because we pause in that moment and we plant those little seeds that encourage us to take a step into our future and release a little bit of the past. Prayer and meditation help us connect. They help us reduce those rampant negative thoughts that just come and come and come. Prayer and meditation quiet those parts of the mind that want to be in control. A daily ritual of prayer or meditation is a powerful way to take control of your present and start to plan and plant those seeds for the future. Setting aside a few minutes to visualize and envision what you want. Remember I talked about how we're mostly worried about the future, but we don't really deliberately set intentions and plan for the future other than a few generalities. It's very important that you take your life into your own hands and to begin to prepare for a life that you love, to plant those seeds now. With guidance, we can rewire what's happening in the brain, in the nervous system. It's totally possible. I did it, you can do it. I did end up going to university, not until I was in my 20s, and because I was still working through my stuff, it took me eight years to get a four-year degree because I had to work and go part-time because I didn't really think that I could do it until I had done it. So for you, again, it's taking those baby steps towards a future that you love. I don't care how old you are, I don't care where you live, I don't care what your story was, because now you can create a new chapter. Your future is unwritten. You can find out what's lurking in your subconscious mind and begin to make a difference. Again, remembering where I came from, all of these report cards that so told me who I was and who I could or could not be. I was reading The Science of Mind. On page 168, it defines a practitioner as, and I am a prayer practitioner here, it took years to also become a licensed prayer practitioner. A professional mental and spiritual practitioner is one who has dedicated her life her time, her energy, her intelligence to helping others through mental and spiritual means and methods. I love helping people discover what is possible. I love helping people get past their blocks and overcome their most stubborn obstacles. With God, all things are possible. Our intentions must be cultivated and nurtured Again, this is why prayer, meditation, and coaching are so valuable, because they are the gold standard to take us where we want to go. Radical self-care and tools to be more psychologically healthy are available to you right now, saying yes 
to radical self-care, yes, to creating a life that you love, you will become more resilient, more empowered, and more resourceful. My husband and I take practicing presence so seriously to be here in this moment that he actually has the word presence engraved on his wedding ring. We take presence seriously every single morning before we jump into our routines. We pause for that moment of presence with each other. We pause at mealtimes to have a moment of prayer, to be present, to bless that food. These little rituals will support you in being in this moment now. Setting aside time each and every day to connect with yourself, with your loved ones. Our thoughts either create our actions or limit our actions. Remember that the subconscious, the non-conscious, the subjective mind is 96% of our perceptions, what we see and our behaviors, what we do. So please check and see what's lurking beneath your subconscious mind. What can you change? I encourage you to find out because awareness is the first step to transforming your life and living a powerful life that you love. And so it is.